Look good. You sound even better, man. What a good morning. Gosh, I, I, was, uh, I was coming out of my seat over there earlier this morning. So, man, just a shout out to you guys back here. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so, so much. Uh, man, what a great thing to be part of this church right now, what God is doing here. Uh, that feels a little loud for me, by the way. If you could pull that down, sorry. Thank you so much. Uh, what a beautiful thing this morning. Um, it is um, a beautiful picture of what a church should be this morning, like expansion and multiplication. I mean, all across this place, like the Lord is expanding our walls. I mean, I don't know if you can look around here. Uh, we don't really have a seat left in here today. I know there was a last week people sitting on the walls at different times, and uh, that's a beautiful thing. And we're so grateful for what God's doing. The, the gospel is that it expands and it goes, that we were saved to be sent, and you were saved to be sent, and God has sent you into places that you're in right now, in the neighborhoods you're in, and he, he has not made a mistake uh, t today. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We love you, Barcelona team. Uh, beautiful picture. So, hey, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 17. We're going to, uh, I'm sorry, 17, 7. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7 this morning, and uh, we're going to hop right in this morning. We've been in a series uh, on relationships, and if you don't have a Bible, the ushers are going to come forward right now. Uh, just throw your hand up high. I love it already seeing it. Um, if you're a guest today, uh, first of all, thank you for coming here. Uh, we know you could have gone to a thousand places this morning, and uh, this is our gift to you. If you want to just keep this Bible, take it home, uh, you can use it, have it for whatever you want. But uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, grab one right now, raise your hand high. They'll come forward. I see a couple ushers. Uh, there, we got some down here if we have any more ushers. Uh, but also, you can follow along with us today. Uh, if you have a YouVersion Bible app, you can go to the events section of our YouVersion Bible app. You can open that up, uh, click location nearby, and click the Well Community Church. Or you just plug that into your browser, that little link right there, and uh, that will help you. But we've been in a series on relationships. We just started it last week. Tori uh, did an amazing job really giving us an overarching view of uh, the biblical perspective of what like, God says when he talks about relationships. So we live in a culture right now where uh, everybody really has an opinion on relationships. I mean, everybody thinks about uh, that they know how to do relationships best and everybody's got a thought. And so what we call this series is uh, Relationships a Better Way. Uh, the idea is the better way is God's way. And so we wanted to show you what does God say in his scriptures? What does the Lord say in the word of God? And today is no different. Uh, we're going to be in uh, the scriptures talking about singleness today. I wanted to see how the waters felt when I said that. We got a couple of people. Let me just, where are my singles at in here? Are you, that was your moment. I just, I just set you up. You want to throw them up again? Just say, I'm I'm free. I just set you up. Don't ever say we didn't help you out here at the Well Community Church. Look, we're, we're talking to singles today. We're talking about singleness. Um, I'm addressing today specifically uh, Christian singles. So if you're a guest today and, and you are a, a non-believer, you're, you're not sure about this Jesus thing yet, let me just tell you a couple of things. One, that's okay. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here. You're going to hear a perspective today from the scriptures addressed to those of us who follow Jesus Christ and call Jesus our Lord and our Savior. Um, my hope is that you would see the beauty in the way of following Christ as a single who follows, uh, who follows after Jesus, that you would see the beauty and that you would also, uh, in Christian singles, that you would find the hope and see the joy and see that the perspective is really radically different 
from oftentimes what we speak about when we speak about singleness. Um, we're not talking about dating per se, so if you were wondering about that, that's next week. We're teeing that up next week, so we're getting you ready for that. So if you were hopeful to take all the notes in the five-point sermon on how to date a girl or a guy or whoever you want to date, it's, look, that's not what we're talking about this week. So we're actually talking about the theological side of singleness. I know that really just got everybody excited on that point. But also, how does that practically play out into your life? And so uh, what we're looking at, if you're a married couple in here today, uh, where are my marrieds at? Ooh, that was louder than the singles. Okay. I'm guessing y'all don't have kids, those of y'all that shouted just now. Okay. Uh, Incredibly important for you not to check out today. Incredibly important. And here's why. I am convinced uh, that in my time of preparation and our team's time of preparation, I'm convinced that this message today, if you would carry this message, that it could shift our church forever that you are a shepherd in this moment. You have an opportunity to be a pastor to the people in this church. There's over half of this congregation is single. And so you have an immensely incredible opportunity. In case that's not enough, uh, more than four out of every 10 adults in the United States of America are single right now. They're not married. Now, the singles population right now in the U.S. is larger than the total population of every country in the world except 11 nations. We have a lot of singles in the United States. That America uh, has upwards of 82 million single adults and four out of five of those claim to be Christians in the United States, 82 million. So even if you're like, I don't really care about caring for people in this church that well or that much, let me tell you, where you are, you're coming across singles every single day and your ability to speak in their life, speak hope, speak encouragement, to guide them, to direct them, to navigate them as a brother or sister in Christ is massive. Uh, But this is an immensely difficult subject. It's really tough because there's a lot of confusion. There is a lot of myths in the world about singleness. Uh, hello, in the church especially, even, amen, anybody in here singles? There's a lot of myths about what it means to be a single Christian. Uh, there's a lot of what the world says what it means to be a single, and that can, going uh, right up against the, world, the word of God. Uh, There's a lot of uh, baggage, and there's a lot of emotion, and there's a lot of own personal varied experiences in this room today. Different people in here are carrying different stories, and some people in here have been wounded by churches because of their singleness. Some of people have been hurt by families because of that. Some of y'all are like, man, every time I go home for Thanksgiving, I'm still experiencing that. Are you married yet? Are you married yet? Are you married yet? You're like, listen, stop asking me if I'm going to get married yet, right? So there's all of this experience it's tied up in this. It causes a lot of confusion. Even in my own life, uh, I, I'm, um, they gave me the singleness sermon today. I'm a 32-year-old pastor who is single, so let's just get that out there, okay? Uh, and I have my own emotion, my own story. You'll hear, I hope, uh, a little bit about that today. Uh, but, but I've got to separate that. I've got to, at, at this moment in time, what I want to call you to do is just to separate some emotion for a few minutes uh, from the truth. And I'm not saying that your emotions don't matter. Hear me clearly. I'm asking you to take the truth of God and to place it on top of that emotion, to look at the emotions and how you feel in light of the truth, to see that maybe there's a lot of people who are misunderstood, maybe a lot of the miscommunication and the hurt that you have gone through a walk through a loneliness, and let me just also throw this out there. There's a lot of singles in here today that want to be single. Amen? Thank you. I love it. I love it. I have been that way for a lot of my life. I have felt that way. And so there's a lot of people in here who are like, I don't want to hear this message today just about how it's a burden to be single. It's not. What you're going to hear today is the immense honor that God has for singles. 
So much so that our Lord and Savior chose to be the fullest expression of humanity as a single. If he wants to talk about what it looks like to live at the fullest extent of humanity and the best expression that we have, his name is Jesus Christ and he was single. The man who wrote this scripture, most of it, a lot of it, the majority of the letters, single. So we could go on and on and talk about this. The, the, the reality is, is that God has immense honor for the single. And he's calling us to see it through that lens, through that lens. You're going to feel a little bit of that tension today, just a little. And the tension is this. The tension is, do we want to choose to follow the way of what God says, or do we want to choose our own way? And we're always going to feel that attention. And let me just tell you, Christian, today it's only going to get tougher. It's not getting any easier. I just read this statistic this week. Persecution in the world is on the rise. Uh, from a decade ago, 107 countries, people are persecuted for Christians a decade ago, for being Christian a decade ago. That number has jumped to 144. It's getting harder at times to stand up and say, I believe actually in an authoritative word of God that's inspired by God. I believe he spoke through men. I believe he inspired this word. I believe they put it together for our good, for his glory, to show us who God is and who we are in light of that. Amen? That's the tension you're going to constantly feel, and you're going to feel a little bit today. Uh, this message is a compilation, by the way, of a lot of people. Our staff team played a huge part in this message today. Um, many of you out there uh, wrote to me, talked to me, called me, said, hey, I want you to say this. Wrote, like, literally, I got Google Docs sitting on my computer right now from people like, hey, can you just make sure you tell everybody this too? All right? So there's a lot that was filtered. Um, I want to just be honest and give credit where credit's due. I uh, looked a lot at Tim Keller's book, A Meaning of Marriage, a whole chapter in there on singleness, his seminars and conferences with his wife. Um, looked at Ben Stewart's book, an amazing book, um, looking at the modern dating right now. It's called Single Dating, Engaged and Married. Um, I was on the team that actually put this book out several years ago uh, before I moved here. Uh, an amazing, amazing way to look at dating and being single, being engaged and being married right now in 2019. Uh, so shout out to Texas A&M. Y'all ever say I never get y'all shout out. Ben Stewart right there. Uh, and then uh, Matt Chandler played a big part in some of this and some of the, the, some of the people, his, his messages. So he was a pastor of mine when I was in Dallas. And so some of the people that even he talked about, Sam Albury, a guy who just put out a book on singleness. It's an amazing resource. Preston Sprinkle, uh, Paige Benton Brown. So I just want to say that today, that today's message is a culmination not just of my experiences, but a lot of different insights into the biblical text that we will look at and what highlighted from that. Today I want to look at the theological side, but practically how it looks. I want to look at what does Paul mean specifically when he says singleness is a gift. I want to look at how I should view my singleness in light of that. The advantages of being single, shout out singles, advantages, hello, and the unique struggles of being single. And then I want to speak at the end of this to the married people in this church, and I want to speak to our singles specifically in this church. I want to start here. I want to start with this quote from, uh, from Matt Chandler. I thought it was a really a good quote that when I uh, ask people about what it's like to be a single in a church like this that is very young, this is what uh, I think embodied that well. Generally speaking in the church, singles are viewed by themselves and others as lacking something. The longer the singleness, both singles and married view the situation through the lens of loss. So married friends try to hook you up with their single friends. And as a single, as a singleness persists, marrieds can feel like something is wrong with you. And singles begin to wonder and feel like something is wrong with them. I've talked to so many people in this church that feel that way. 
They feel like, man, I, I, I'm just getting older. I'm into my 30s. Why am I not married yet? And you begin to wonder, is there something wrong with me? I want you to know today that both of these views are not how the word of God addresses singleness and how Jesus and the biblical authors rejoice and have high honor. There are different types of people in here today who are single. There are those who are not yet married in here, maybe 20s, 30s. There are some of you who have been single into your 40s and 50s in here today. You're not yet married. There's some of you in here who have been widowed and you've had a loss. There's some of you in here who have been divorced and you've walked through the heartbreak and the hurt and the pain of that and you are single again. There are those of you who are choosing to be single in here today, maybe because of a struggle that you have or desires that you have that you feel like a same-sex attraction possibly. And you are choosing to walk and follow maybe the way and the word of God and you're making a choice no matter what it is. Some of you in here today, by the way, have chosen. You said, I'm going to be single for the sake of the kingdom of God. If you look in Matthew 19, Matthew 19, verse 11 and 12, Jesus gives these categories. He talks about some of the people, the eunuchs. And if you don't know what a eunuch is, you can email Tori Mayo at thewellaustin.com. He'll be happy to explain that for you this week. But let's just say they cannot have sex, okay? And he lists some of these people, and he talks about how some of them chose to be that. And Jesus places this massive honor on that. So whichever type of single that you are, God talks about singleness like it's a gift from God. He tells you it is a gift. Some of y'all are like, where is the return receipt? Did y'all put that in there? Where is, uh, you know, I don't want that. You know, I've been putting this on the shelf like I do when Grandma gives me a gift at Christmas time, and I don't want this anymore. Some of us look at it that way, but singleness is not some form of second-class Christian citizenship. It is a gift. I love what this guy says, Ron Abelgo. He uh, is a writer, and he talks specifically about celibacy, and he's someone who chooses to walk celibate, and he's a writer, and he says, is, is celibacy difficult? Yes, but so is marriage. And all the married people said? Amen. I know, someone there was just like, no, honey, it's great. We're perfect. I'm not amening that. Okay. Let me know how that car ride went on the way home. So, it, so is grad school. Life is pain, princess. Y'all know that movie? Princess Bride, shout out. Um, is it frustrating at times? Yes. But watch someone raising toddlers sometime, and it may change your perspective on the challenges of celibacy. Have there, I love this guy. He's so real. Have there been times when I've wanted to give up? Yes. But is it worth it? Yes. And do I regret it? No. I love it because this is a perfect launching point for us. What does Paul mean by singleness is a gift? Flip to 1 Corinthians 7 if you're not there already. Uh, if you want to know the, the thrust of singleness, it's right here in this text, 1 Corinthians 7, and how the Lord looks at it. Let's read it together real quick. We're going to start in verse 6. And Paul is addressing, he's talking uh, about really uh, sexual matters. He's talking about a merit, marital sexual matters. And then he gets into talking about singleness, the opposite of being married. And so, I mean, you're going to hear in this sermon series, there's so much that's just woven together. Dating, marriage, sex, singleness, all these relationships. And so I want you just to know that. This would be a great text even for a marrieds uh, in here today. And so just, let's just read this real quick. First uh, Corinthians 7, verse 6. Now, as a concession, not as a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. That's, that is single. But each has his own gift from God, one kind and one of another. So one of you is married, and you have a gift from God if you're married today. It's a gift. One of you is single in here today. You have a gift from God. It's singleness. And then he says this in verse 8. To the unmarried, to the single and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single as I am. 
But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. Paul straight out of the gate says, this is a gift. And I am realizing today, our pastors are realizing today, for some of us, that's taking some faith today to believe that. It is going to take some faith for you today. And maybe the greatest prayer out of this sermon is for you to say, Lord, help my unbelief to believe that. Not just in my head, but into my heart into my soul, to believe that this is a gift. He's not talking that this is a spiritual gift either. He's not saying it's, like, it's not like prophetic speaking or tongues. Like I have for so long in my life thought, oh, my friend so-and-so, uh, he has the gift of singleness. He's like able to put on this like superpower and you know, withstand all of what it means to be like any married people or, or any you know, girls coming after him. Like I just was so confused on what that means. Like it's not some sort of like supernatural power that, uh, you know, like an X-Men mutation that helps you, you know, be single or something. It's actually a state of being. What he's saying is wherever you are, that's a gift. The season that you're in is a gift. You're married, then it's a gift. Where you are, are is a gift. And he's teaching that today, uh, that you have been given this gift. Now, I want to be really clear today. If you are widowed in here, what he's not saying, what he's not saying to you today is that the loss of your spouse was a gift. He's saying the state that you're in now is a gift to you. If you're divorced in here today and you've walked through the struggle of that, he's not saying that that divorce was a gift. He's saying that that where you are at now is a gift, that God is good. He is good. He knows where you are. He doesn't make mistakes. He hasn't written a typo in your story. He is with you. He is guiding you. He is leading you. And he is good to give you the state of where you are at right now. Paige Benton Brown. Uh, these are some quotes that came from a Matt Chandler sermon that I thought were just rich. She says this, I am not single because I'm too spiritually unstable to deserve a husband. How many people in here believe that before? Or I'm too spiritually mature maybe to need one. I am single. I love it. Thank you. Huli down here. My own little section. I love that. Come on, girl. Keep it coming. <laughs> I am single because God is good, and this is his best for me. This is what God has for you right now. Now, some of us, we need to rethink today what it means to get a gift from God, okay? Hello? We need to, did you wake up this morning and breath in your lungs and realize there's a gift from the creator of heaven and earth? That the one, like the weight of what I'm saying here today is the one who carved the Grand Canyon handed you this gift, and some of us just want to hand it right back to him. Do you realize the weight of what, what you're thinking, of what you're saying in that? Like the mind-blowing reality that God would hand a gift to you, and then we would possibly tell God, no, thank you. This gift, too, is not just for you. Like it was never meant that God would hand you this season and say, hey, college student, you're single right now. This is for you. This is just for you, for you to take care of yourself and self-care and self-actualization and make sure you just go in and just enjoy this life for yourself. No, God actually says in all of Scripture, in all of the Pauline epistles, every time he talks about a gift period, it's always in light of building up the church. It's always in light of all of these friends and family around you right now. Every single time, he says, a gift is for others. So it is for you. Yes, it's a gift. But it's also a gift for the people in this church. So your singleness, you get to build up the body of Christ. 
You get the privilege today to build up these people sitting right next to you today and offer for these married couples a little bit of a picture of the diversity of the body of Christ. You get to offer marrieds as your gift of being married right now, the ability to take people under your wings and love them and navigate them and help them walk through what you may have already walked through, to teach them, to show them. So it's a gift. And my question for you today is, have you used this gift? Do you think about it that way? That I'm going to come to this church or my community group or my sorority or fraternity and I'm going to use this gift? Or is it like the one that's sitting on the shelf and you never really wanted it? Let's keep reading. Uh, flip over to the same chapter, for, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 28. Let's keep reading this. He's going to continue speaking over uh, to those of us who are single. He says, the unmarried and the widow. Verse 28. But if you do marry single, you have not sinned. Like, can we just stop right there and get that out of the way? Like, it's, can we stop feeling guilty for wanting to be married? He's saying here, if you want to marry and you do marry, you haven't sinned. There's nothing wrong with that. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. No amens there. (laughs) And I would spare you that, says Paul. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. Now check this out. He's going to put this in the context of the time you have on earth. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And let those who mourn as though they were not mourning. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Those who buy as though they had no goods. Those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For this present form of this world is passing away. What Paul is saying here is that he's trying to orient our hearts around not just this moment in time. That the nature of humankind is to only think in an Instagram, Instapot, instant culture world that we're living in right now. How am I thinking about today? Forget the Polaroid camera. There is no development anymore. I want it right now. I want it now. And what he's saying here is look at the gift that you have where you are in light of where you're going That you are to look over this and to see that we have a tendency to think right here, right now. But Paul wants us to be aware of the kingdom that is to come. That Jesus came once, first time in weakness, and he brought the kingdom here. It's why right now he came in weakness in the form of a baby. He showed up into this earth, and he brought the kingdom. Remember he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, I brought kingdom down to earth now. That there are pockets of the kingdom. Where you go, the kingdom goes with you. Where you are, the kingdom is. But he says you still feel the experiences of it, right? You still feel the brokenness of this world. He came once in weakness. He'll come a second time in power, and he'll make all things right. So you're experiencing a little bit of heaven and hell right now. You're living in that overlap, in between the two comings. And what Paul is saying, he's urging us to orient our souls around that future coming. And what are we supposed to do? Well, what he says, we're supposed to then marry Buy, sell, mourn, rejoice, grieve, but do it in light of the future. In other words, what he's saying is one day you're going to have a better treasure than your current state right now. I hate to break up any good things going on in a marriage right now. I don't want to do that. God says there's even better than that. In fact, he says in Scripture that marriage isn't a thing in in the resurrection, in the kingdom to come. That there will be one family of God and that our faith will be made sight. 
And we will see him that way. We will see him with our eyes, and that will become our faith. So it sounds strange today to say, if you, don't, if you have money, well, great, that's an amazing thing, but don't get too attached to it. If you don't have money, it's okay. You won't need it soon. If you're mourning today, he says mourn. Be, be, be okay with mourning, but don't overdo it because guess what? It's not going to be that way for long. If you're rejoicing today, don't just rejoice because you'll never satisfy your heart fully in that rejoicing. And then he says take this lens and put it over singleness and marriage. And he says the ultimate family is to come. And if you are longing for that wedding today, single, the ultimate wedding is to come. The wedding supper of the Lamb, when you sit face to face with your God and he tells you, I have seen you, I have walked with you, I have never left you. And you will sit at that wedding feast and it will be better than any Kim Kardashian wedding that ever happened on this earth. It's going to be incredible. You're going to get your fill. So hear this today. Single. The deepest desires of your heart, the desire of your heart to have love, to be cared for, to be seen, for someone to know what's going on in your life, for acceptance, for unity, for security, it's all going to be satisfied fully one day. It's coming. And no earthly family or marriage is ever going to fulfill the depth and the length and the depth of that longing. I'm not trying to knock marriage today. Paul in Ephesians 5 makes a beautiful picture of marriage. But what I am knocking today is our belief that there is going to be some sort of Jerry Maguire, you complete me, fulfillment at the altar. It will not happen fully. You will find your fulfillment in him. Everything in life is to be done, including being single in light of the future. We are to live for what lies ahead. We're to look at our marriage today in light of the future. We're to look at our singleness in light of the future. I just love this today. I don't have this in my notes, but our Barcelona team, hello. I don't know where you guys are sitting right now. I'll probably start crying if I'm looking at you. But you're living in light of the future. And if anything, God ordained this moment today to tell you this. You have taken your marriage, you have taken your resources, you've taken your life, and you said, I'm going to risk that at the altar of Christ. And it really is no risk when you're risking on the one who is consistent and never changes. And what he says is true today, tomorrow, and the eternity to come. He is with you and he sees you. And I am just so proud of you as your pastor for what you're doing. I want to finish this off in reading 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 32 through 35. So let's read the rest of this here. And 32. So that is uh, the gift of singleness. He talks about how to view your singleness. Now he speaks towards the advantages of being single. I want to speak to that real quick. Verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Amen? Man, that was your moment. Come on, I'm setting y'all up. I am anxious about pleasing you, baby. Amen? Okay, I love that. All right. And his interests, but his interests are divided. And the unmarried and betrothed woman is anxious of things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion 
to the Lord. If I could give you one word single for what your life is to look like right now, in light of the scriptures, it is devotion. Undivided devotion to God. Ben Stewart, uh, I love the way he broke this down. He said, he said, as you are single, single is a season for devotion. If you are dating, it's a season for evaluation. More on that next week. If you're married, it's a season for mission. How do we take everything we have in light of eternity and, and really offer that up and invest that for the kingdom's sake? And so in, if you're single, it's a gift in the light of what is to come, and it's hard devotion that God calls you to, to run towards him. And there are advantages to this. The first advantage, he just said clearly, there are trials in marriage. There are struggles in marriage. And it's difficult. And he says, I actually want to spare you from that. If that's the route you want to stay single, I want to spare you from the hardship that's going to come from marriage. And some of us just don't realize that. And really, marrieds in community groups, I just want to encourage you to speak and be transparent and to be honest about, do you see why it's important for you to be honest about what you walk through? To show people that there is difficulty. The grass is not always greener. The married person may long for the day they could just go and travel freely as they wanted. They have kids that can't do it as easily anymore. Maybe the single longs for the day that they're married to feel like they're going to be fulfilled. The grass really is always greener. But the first advantage, Paul says, it spares singles of the trials of marriage. Tori, uh, when he gets up at 5.30 in the morning and he starts reading the scriptures and he starts spending that few 20 minutes that he has before his kids wake up, then he's helping his wife get the kids together to make breakfast, to get everything together, to get out the door. Then he goes to his first meetings of the day way before the rest of our staff does at 7 a.m., and he starts to talk in the meetings, and he's going to these meetings there. He's working all day. He's at, he's at work. He's working, working, meeting, 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 meeting. He's just drinking, all matching, talking to people all day long. We do that every day. It's amazing. And then guess what? Then he's got to try to figure out if he wants to figure out how to work out. But really, that doesn't happen all the time. Why? Because you're married, and you've got kids at home, and you're thinking about your other wife who has a job, and she's got a responsibility, and she's at home, and she's got a full-time job as well. And then he walks in the house, and he starts to take the kids off of her, and then they start to cook dinner. And then, by the way, it's about 8 o'clock now. The kids are going down. They're sitting down on the couch. And what he turns her and he goes, how's the day going, baby? And she goes, good. How was your day? He's like, great. And she goes, well, tell me more about it. And he's like, uh, it was good. It was good. <laughs> okay, well, what happened? Oh, it was great. I'm just a little hypothetically using the situation. This isn't a real story, okay? It's real. It's real? I like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> and then he, and they're talking, and then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I got to use a couple emails real quick. And he opens it, and he falls asleep with his laptop. And then we wonder why it's hard for married people to hang out with single people sometimes. There are trials, there's difficulties, there are things that happen as a married person that make it a little bit difficult. Paul wants to bring that about. The second advantage, he says, is you have an undivided heart and mind and devotion. That word devotion in the Greek text, it's a combination of the words good, good or, or well. You can take one of those two. Um, and, uh, and the second, and a phrase, to be close behind. So it's a combination of the phrase to be close behind and good, the word good. A, a better phrase uh, for that, a word for that in our language is attentive. He says you're called to be fully attentive to the Lord, like a, like a good waiter at a restaurant, like someone who's there to serve you, right? And he's listening to what you need, and he's listening to your desires, and he's hearing from you, and then he's following what you say to do, and he's going after it. It's this picture of serving God and sitting at his feet. If you are single here today, I love you. Let me tell you, there is no reason why your devotional life should not be rich. And if you're wondering how to do that, come ask one of us or one of your community group leaders or one of your team leads if you're volunteering and serving here. 
Because your life is called to be attentive to the Lord. You have more freedom, more flexibility. Look, I get, I get comments all the time about me, y'all. People are like, wow, you always look like you're traveling. That's what they always say to me. You're always like gone on the weekends. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Sit around and just twiddle my thumbs? I'm like, I love to travel. I love to go around somewhere. Uh, but because of that, I've got some more freedom and some more flexibility than Tori does. Uh, I, I just, this week, I've been in grad school for the past, this isn't about me, I just want to share my personal story here. Uh, I've been in grad school for six years, and so I work all day. We, we started a little nonprofit on the side that's helping uh, care for college students at uh, the University of Texas, so we're ser- serving there as well, working about 60 hours a week, and then we get into this whole, whole deal on grad school when I get home, and I can do that right now in this season because I am fully devoted I have the heart and the ability to do more. And I should not carry that singles into a guilt trip on those who are married. And married, you should understand that as well. Even though, let me just say this, even if they do have more freedom and flexibility, I want to speak on behalf of the singles. It is difficult, more difficult for them, to reach the relational needs that they have, the same intimacy, the affection, the friendship, the bonds that you so easily have because your companion is waiting for you by proximity when you get home. So you can just walk home and sit down on a couch. And when you sit down on the couch, you have somebody there to hear your day, to process with you automatically, to ask you how you're doing. A single person has to expand their schedule, broaden their relationships, make more friendships, go to more coffee dates, spend more money, eat more dinners, travel on vacations to build the experiences and the relationships that build the trust, that open the intimacy that they so crave and so desire. Have you ever thought about that, married person? That it maybe they don't have more time than you. Maybe it's possible that they don't have more money to freely spend on you because of that. It's just a thought that I throw in front of you today. Uh, my friend Philip, he's a photographer, and uh, he's a crisis photographer. I've actually spoken about him, I think, here before. But he's single. Uh, he's in his 40s, and he lives in Nashville. And when the earthquake happened in Haiti uh, a long time ago, uh, he had the ability to just up and leave. He literally, uh, he, talking to him, said, what are you doing? I'm going to Haiti. I'm going to go help. I'm quitting my job here in the States. I'm going. He had the flexibility and the freedom to do that. Because he was single, there are advantages to being single. Now, the more practical side are some of the struggles uh, that some of you face. And I just, uh, we don't have time to get into all this, but I want to acknowledge two struggles. One of them, one of the struggles is the way that this culture, in, in the Western culture, idolizes our rights and our happiness. And so what we say in the West is what is supreme, is how I feel, my rights, uh, what's going on in me. And so that carries into marriage. And we idolize marriage to the point of marriage is about me. I'm going to get married. It's going to fulfill me. It's going to satisfy me. We begin to look at people that we're dating in, in terms of how beautiful are they? Or do they have enough money? Uh, do they have, are, are, they, are they fit? Are they spiritually acceptable, okay? And so we start to weigh all these things. And what happens is marriage becomes an asset to us. Rather than the radical view of Christianity that speaks and says marriage is meant to be for you to die to yourself. For you to lay yourself down, for you to learn how to sacrifice even more than you ever have in your life, to become closer to God through that marriage as you sacrifice yourself. And we live in a time right now where the culture says what matters is you and what you want. And the second pressure that you, and the struggle that you might face as a single, and I'm not saying that married couples don't face these same struggles, I'm just saying it's a unique struggle, is the sexuality in this culture. 
the sexual temptation that speaks and says to you that this is a sexual world. I have a right that sex is the ultimate goal. I want to go after that. I'm gonna, I, I want to be sexually fulfilled. And so what have we done? Hello, even in the Christian church is that we say marriage is great. Abstain, 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 abstain so that you can have sex. And we have cheapened this beautiful picture of self-sacrifice, of Christ carrying his cross and walking up a hill to lay his life down for us, which is the picture of marriage. And we have said that sex is the ultimate goal. And we use even phrases like this in, in Scripture where Paul says, well, if you burn with passion, then get married. As if Paul is actually saying to you, okay, if you can't control your animal, your sexual appetite, why don't you just get married? That'll solve it. Like, se- like marriage is just for you to have sex. Ask a married person how well that goes. For real. Like, ask a married guy today or a girl uh, appropriately how, if you know them. <laughs> hey, y'all want to come with me over to Bird Bird? I got to ask you some questions. No. If you know them, ask the questions. Mar- even sex in a marriage, as I'm told, is that it is not as fulfilling ultimately as what you think it's going to be always carrying on. Is it a good thing? Is it good to desire a sexual relationship? Amen. Yes, God created it. Is it good to desire to want to be married? Yes. But do we idolize these things? Do we put them up as supreme? And in this culture, we place sexuality at the supreme pinnacle, and it's not your fault. I want you to know it is not your fault. Everywhere you go, it's a sexualized culture. You cannot turn on Instagram, the television, can't go downtown. You can't look at people at times without seeing sexuality being so heightened in this culture. But you have to navigate this space. The temptation is there. And it is the temptation to believe that if you just have sex, you're going to be fully alive. You're going to be fulfilled. It's a lie. It is a lie. I've got a few minutes left, and I want to speak to the singles here real quick. I want to tell you something today, and I need you to hear me clearly. Something is not wrong with you. Nothing, there might be things that you need to grow. There might need spaces that you need the community and the body of Christ to speak into, but something is not wrong with you because you're single. You're exactly as God intended you. You have not been forgotten. God is not punishing you today. In verse 35, he says, I say this, Paul says, I say this for your benefit. Paul's saying this is for your benefit. This is for the good, not to lay any restraint upon you. It literally means I say this so you won't feel like you have a rope around your neck. That's what that translates to. He's saying God's not choking you out because you're single. He's not playing some game like, 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 the, like the John Mayer song that was like, I'm tired of being alone. You know that song? He's like, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody listen to John Mayer in here? Don't make me feel like I'm the only one that listens to John Mayer in here. <laughs> Golly. He says, I, there's a line in there. It says, I could, I'm lost. I was like, that was really surprising to me. The only one person raised their hand. Okay, there's a line in the song. It says, I could have met you in the sandbox. I could have passed you on the sidewalk. Am I, did I just miss my chance and watch you walk away? Do you ever think like that? Like maybe God's playing some maniacal game. Like, ha ha, he was at the Hacion today, the coffee shop. And you missed him. And he's just laughing. It's not that way. God's not toying with you. He says he's got you in this season for a reason. Let me say this too. People are going to misunderstand your singleness. Learn to be okay with it. 
I'm not telling you to live in a suck it up culture. I'm telling you to learn to understand there's miscommunications and misunderstanding. I'm telling you, as my own story as a pastor, y'all, the things that have been said to me as a 30-something year old who's not married and leading a church are wild. I have learned to grow so much grace and frustration, and I have vented to my team at times. They have heard me, and they hear a part of that, and there's an appropriate space for that. But people have told me inappropriately, they've asked it over and over in questions like, why aren't you married right now? With a face that speaks one thing (laughs) and a voice that says another. Or in job interviews, when people uh, uh, ask me, I want to be a pastor, well, why don't you have a wife? Or why aren't you married? Or or people even in this church at times uh, who have said to me, and I'm not saying this out of a wounding, I'm saying this to help you be aware of this, uh, the people have said, well, when you came here as a single pastor, these are verbatim what I heard one time, uh, I didn't trust you because you didn't have a wife. It's hard. Yeah. And I want you to be aware of how our mind thinks and the difference from our heart. Isaiah 56, verse 3 through 7, write that down and look at it this week. God says for those singles who choose to be single their life, that in heaven, he has a monument built for you. There is a high honor for those of you who choose to devote your life right now and went in this season to the kingdom of God. Last thing I'll say to you singles is stop playing a pity party. Stop living in your cynicism and your bitterness and your frustration. You know why? Because all it's doing is advertising your accusation against God that what he's given you is not good enough. You're advertising to the world that where I'm at is not good. God, just take this gift back from me right now. You didn't give me a good enough gift. I'm not saying don't wrestle with your pain. There's a way to do that in the context of community and relationship and biblical wisdom to talk about your hurts and your pains, but devote your life to Christ, pour it out, and begin to embrace more of where you are. Pursue God full blast, and the Lord will bring somebody to you, maybe. Maybe he won't. But you can trust that he is good. I will speak lastly to the marrieds in here. Are you a voice or of encouragement to the singles in this church and in your life? Do you actively speak into them? And I'm not saying, do you try to set them up with somebody? That can get really old too, by the way. So be careful. Are you a voice of encouragement? Are you challenging your own thinking that there is something wrong with somebody who's not married yet? Don't assume that single people, like we said, don't have they have all the time in the world. And then the last thing I'll tell you is it would be really helpful uh, if you don't tell somebody, hey, man, hey, brother, just find your commitment in Christ or your contentment in Christ. Like, that's a good word, but it is not a bad thing to long for marriage, okay? And so when your response to them is, hey, just find your contentment, what you're saying to them is, hey, there's something wrong with you again. Instead of saying, instead, well, talk to me more about that. Let's unpack a little bit of that. I asked several singles in our church what they would want to be said here, and they said these things. Not everyone sees singleness as a burden. To understand that they don't have to be set up all the time with your single friends and that they want to be invited in. That even though you have vacations and trips and places to go and people to see, they want to be invited in. Invite them. Call them into your home. If your home is chaos, show them the chaos of your home so they'll see that this truth is real. It's okay. You may not be able, married person, to remove the pain, but you can always provide presence. You may not be able to remove the pain, but you can always provide presence. I will close by saying this. 
Jesus felt single, he felt alone. The disciples abandoned him, the Lord left him and forsook him on the cross. We can be single because Jesus was single and alone at times so that we could be together and attached and unified with our King and our God who will never leave you alone. Amen? This is the word of God. This is what he has for you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. What a maybe refreshing word today for some, but maybe a difficult for others. I pray that you would speak into the hearts and minds of the people in here today right now. And in this moment, you would challenge us wherever we're at, and you would speak life into us as we worship and celebrate you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all uh, stand up. We're gonna sing and praise God today, amen.